infallible proof that Jesus is the one God. That he's not a part of God in God. He's not uh, in the Godhead or something like that. All those ideas are non-biblical. For example, the Bible nowhere says that Jesus is in the Godhead. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He is the one God. In other words, another way to say that is he is the Godhead. Because Godhead is just another way. God, it, <laughs> The ancient word Godhead, which we don't talk that way a lot. Well, we might say, uh, what do we say nowadays? Uh, we don't do a lot of this. Um, well, anyway... If somebody's the head of something, I can't think of a word that com comparable to it. But, uh, but Jesus is not in the Godhead. Some people use the theological idea of there being this Godhead, which is another way of talking about a category. And, and in the end, you don't end up with one God. How many knows it's just one God? Heroes of the Lord our God is one Lord. It can't be more than one. And many, many religious folks have wrestled. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not trying to be smart, Alec. But I want to know who Jesus is. Anybody love Jesus here today? And so today we're going we're gonna to begin. This is part one. We're going to have another stab at this. We're going to be talking about infallible proofs, Bible proofs, that Jesus is the one God. That he, the reason he did the miracles and all the things that he did is he was God. He wasn't in God. He wasn't a part of God. He wasn't a God person. He wasn't a second person. He wasn't anything like that. He was just God in what we might say human form. So we're going to talk about a few of the important aspects of that. Now, this is what we often call the doctrine of the oneness of God. So this doctrine of the oneness of God is different from uh, some of the historic doctrines as people have developed them. For example, I want to say this very kindly. I don't want anybody to be, think that I'm beating up on someone or that, I'm, that I don't care about people's faith because it's different than mine. I care about their faith. All right? But there have been many, many religious notions about Jesus through the centuries that were false. For example, now listen to me want to get mad just look at look at me first worshiping mary is a false doctrine you're not supposed to worship mary all right that's a false doctrine and many many other things as well and the idea that there was one god and then whoop whammo we discovered there's more than one that that's not bible and what i'm interested in, how many knows the bible to be true anybody believe the bible is true for example i've had people tell me that they don't believe in speaking in tongues and i said well great no problem Except that it's in the Bible. See, that's in the Bible. And they, oh, I know it's in the Bible, but it's not for us today. That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say it's not for us today. It didn't say, I'm going to pour the Holy Ghost on just you little bitty people right here. It didn't say that. So you have to rightly divide the word of God. So today, we're looking at a definition for what, I'm, what is commonly referred to as the doctrine of the oneness of God. The reason that's important... I'm doing this, although I know I shouldn't. Uh, I've used everything known uh, and prayer. Of course, prayer is the main thing. Uh, to, to just be able to talk, all right? So, uh, so forgive me for this. But, but I'm excited anyway if, I lose, if I'm just croaking it. You know what? Maybe if I'm croaking it, it will even sound better. No amens? <laughs> Hallelujah. Of course it won't. I'm just kidding. Okay, so the definition then, this is what I tell people who say, well, I don't understand. For example, now listen, some people would say, how could Jesus be God? How could he be God? He might be divine, but how could he be God? Because that would mean that Jesus is the same as the Father. Because the Father is the one 
our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be. That's who we pray to. How could they be the same, see? And so that, of course, is exactly the point. How could, of course, really the bigger question should be, how could there be a second God? Several reasons for that. If, if let's say there's a God that is uh, all, everybody say all. <laughs> that was pretty good. All right. Almighty. There's a God that's almighty. Then how could there be another God? And by the way, there is a God that's almighty. It's God. <laughs> He's almighty. Someone said, well, there's three of them and they're all almighty. That's not possible, folks. Now, you can argue that until, you know, whatever, and then light your candles and whatever you're going to do and worship Mary. I'm just telling you, that's not possible. It is not possible for there to be three all, because if it's all, it's all. Okay. And I've tried to, some of my friends who think, you know, well, the Father must be another uh, something, like another God or another person or something like that. I've tried to say to them, well, uh, if what you're saying is true, then you, you must believe in the oneness of God because you're saying that Jesus is almighty. And in the Old Testament, I'm not going to get to it today, but in the Old Testament, th this, uh, this name was what the Hebrews called the El Shaddai or, or, or to be even stricter to the Hebrew, it would be the El Shaddai because there's a Yud at the end. And uh, that means the, so the El Shaddai which is uh, years ago, I used to love the song. Sister French sang it a time or two, not, not a lot, but I finally got her to sing this song. Uh, I can't sing it all. I was going to start singing a bar. But El Shaddai, El Shaddai. And uh, that, of course, is the Hebrew word for all mighty. And then, of course, in that, you hear this a lot, for example, in Isaiah. And then he says, there's no one beneath me, above me, and... I mean, like, why would there be somebody above him and beneath him? Well, the point is he's, he's making a point. In other words, there, no way I would, if I'm up here, I'm not going to say there's nobody above me or beneath me unless I mean it in some abstract way. But what God was telling us through the prophet Isaiah and many other prophets and through the Old Testament is that the El Shaddai is the almighty. There is no other God. That's, just, that's really what that means. That's why we call him the almighty God. And, and uh, Isaiah 9 and 6 tells us as much. So you shall call his name what? What did they say we'd call? What did the prophets Isaiah say we'd call his name? And, yeah, and he shall be wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. So in other words, the, the, the one God, Yahweh of the Old Testament, that is who Jesus is. That's another way to say it. Jesus is the Yahweh of the Old Testament that has, has become a man. So the way I define this doctrine of the oneness of God is that uh, there is one God. Can you say that? There is one God. That's it. There's not three. There's not ten. There's not fifty. There's not a million. It's not Buddha. It's not. It, there's one God, and Jesus is that one God. That's just simple as I can get it. Someone said, well, why don't you make it really simple so we can, well, that's it right there. There's one God. Now, a lot of people think there's one God, but they don't believe Jesus is that one God. So that changes everything right there. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody love Jesus here this morning? Yeah, so there we have the definition of this doctrine. Now, we're going to go to the next slide, and I'm rapidly, huh. okay, now we're looking at uh, a couple scriptures here. If you're able to see the the uh, varied scriptures, one, two, three, okay, we got four here, uh, which show, okay, here's what we're looking at. 
Because a lot of people will say, well, I, I know the Bible says there's one God, Deuteronomy. You notice I have not, I've quoted Deuteronomy, but um, I'm, not, I'm not leading with it as a discussion because I'm, I'm not trying to teach that there's one God, even though I am talking about it. I'm trying to teach that Jesus is that one God. See, I'm really on the second point there. Jesus is that one God. If Jesus isn't that one God, then the oneness of God is, not, is, is false. If Jesus is not the one God and he's some other God or another person or something else, then uh, the oneness of God would be incorrect and, and uh, so on. But I don't believe it's incorrect because the oneness of God is a Bible view. But many people will say, well, God kept the truth about the fact that there were multiple persons of God a secret all through the Old Testament, which would mean for 4,000 years. Now think what that would mean. That would mean that in the Old Testament, and I used to believe this, so please understand, I'm not making fun of anybody, not trying to make fun of anybody, that Moses and Abraham, let me think of the great names of the Old Testament, that they did not know God because God was actually more than one. They only knew one. They didn't really know God. They didn't know the truth about God. That meant Moses, who stood there and the waters parted, nobody in human history has ever done anything like it. That wasn't all of God right there. That's what that would mean. The, the truth of the matter is, for many years I thought, well, maybe that's true. Maybe, you know, Jesus came and the son was hit. You know, the son was another, like another God or another person, whatever word you want to use. It doesn't matter what word you use. If there's another one that's almighty, that's a God, and that's not what the Bible taught. If Jesus isn't the one God himself, then the oneness of God is not true. And there isn't just one God. There's something else. And so I thought for years, well, maybe because my pastor, you know, I loved him and, and I believed it. That's what we taught. I was baptized in the name of the Trinity. But as I begin to think about the name of Jesus and about what they actually did in the Bible, which was baptized only in Jesus name, that began to open things up to my mind. And suddenly I begin to realize that God couldn't have told Moses, I'm one hero Israel. The Lord, our God is one Lord. He couldn't have said this and been hiding the fact that there's. Besides, are you ready? Are any of you awake? Some of you are almost awake. That, that there, he actually had a, a divine son. Like, here's a divine father, and here's a divine son. And there are two gods up there, like Thor and his kid. Okay, so you got this God, and that we can't tell the Jews about it, so they don't even know this. They don't know there's another divine one up here. He's up here, but they don't know. He's hiding. And so every time the Bible speaks about Christ was the rock and so on, they think that was a hint and he was hiding. Well, one day I begin to realize that's not what Scripture's saying. Scripture's not trying to say, first of all, let me listen. Uh, 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 wait. How do you hide God for 4,000 years? Here's a divine God right here, a person or whatever you want to call him. And you're hiding him for 4,000. That's crazy. Where, where would you hide? Anybody, just think about it. Just think, go home right now and think, where would you hide God? Where would you hide him? Would you hide him behind a rock? Maybe you have a really big tree. You could hide him behind that. Don't think so. The truth of the matter is they developed a theory called the kenosis theory that, that God was able to uh, hide himself. He was able to keep, like, he, he doesn't want you to know certain things. So one day after I realized, this, that's, not a, that's not biblical. There's no such thing in the Bible. That may be some theological construct. I understand that. But it's not biblical. And I realized one day 
that Jesus, to try to hide him for 4,000 years, and then one day here he is there at the manger, and now you've all got to believe there's now a second person of God. No, 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 my friend. God himself robed himself in flesh and took on humanity in order to save us from our sins. So the Father and the Son were the same one God. Can you clap your hands and say, thank you, Jesus? He, of course, was hiding. He was hiding nowhere. Now, that doesn't solve all the concerns that people have, but we have to start somewhere. Now, the first question we're going to solve at this moment is, did the Old Testament then conclude, and there was one back there, but now we know there's actually, let's say, three. Let's say that. Well, no. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, in 1 Timothy 2. So the, see the one with the white clouds? Okay. Uh, let's read that together. I've, here we go. There is one God. So what do we see? Absolutely nothing has changed. In fact, the, the one I haven't used here that is very critical is that Jesus, they said, well, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment, Jesus said, the greatest commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. If, if he were changing it to say, well, there's actually, you know, we hid, there have been three hidden all this time. That, of course, would be crazy. We know, it's, we know it's not possible. What I'm trying to show you is that when you say and you believe, someone said, well, that's crazy to believe that Jesus the man was the same as the divine God. But I tell you right now in front of the very demons of hell that Jesus is God. He is almighty God. He's not another God. He's not part of God. He's not a little bit of God. He's not a junior God. He's God. He is the El Shaddai. Which, of course, is another way to go at it because Jesus himself makes it very clear he's the El Shaddai. But that's just another way to look at it. Now, so let's look at a, a couple of scriptures here. Galatians 3, 2 says God is what? So you see it there the, right in the middle? God is one. Okay, so there we have it. So here we still have Paul there in Galatians. And in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, he says there is but one God. So what I'm trying to show you is nowhere in the New Testament. No, no, I know some of you. Oh, I know. Oh, Father, help me. Help me, Lord. Although this water's done a great, this water's just almost been miraculous. You know, God used the water a lot in the Bible. The word that people use for a doctrine that there's more than one is often called Trinity, but that's not a Bible word. It used to, I used to wonder, how could it be the doctrine, if the Bible never says that, never, first of all, never teaches it. And then secondly, it never even uses that word. So it's very, very, and I've had, I've had people sit down and say, but listen, Talmadge, you know, this word's not in the Bible. That does mean it's not true. I said, I didn't say that. I didn't say that because it's not in there. It couldn't be true. That doesn't prove it's not true. But it sure is odd that you believe something that nowhere in the Bible is even mentioned. And if it's true, it's true. You, you face God yourself. I'm going to face God with my faith that Jesus is Lord of all. He's not a part of the Lord. He is the Lord. Praise God. All right. So uh, then, of course, there's James 2.19 where James says, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. Now let's go to the next one because we're going to begin. Our, remember, we're looking at seven infallible proofs 
that Jesus is the one God. Okay, the first one, uh, I'm going to go to Titus 2. I'm going to use this as my first scripture. We won't get to 10. I don't care if we get, I don't care what number we get to. It doesn't make any difference what number we get to. <clears throat> I'm going to go as fast as I can. And uh, we're going to look at 10 infallible proofs. In my mind, these are scriptures so clear, so obvious that you simply have to, you have to rethink. If you think there's more than one God, you need to rethink it. Now, <clears throat> Titus 2.13 says, looking, is it possible for you to read it? Can you see it well enough? Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, there's several things about this verse that changed my, my opinion about the theology of the oneness of God. First of all, we know who's coming back. The blessed hope First of all, we know two things. We know who the Savior is. How many knows that the Savior is Jesus Christ? Everybody know that? All right. And we also know who's coming back. So we're looking for the glorious appearing of the one who is coming back. And Titus tells us clearly that it's the, that he is, the one that's coming back, is the great God. Not one, not, divi not a divine person, not one of divine persons, but the for example, now this, uh, I know it's 1030, but, uh, and I'm getting a little technical here, but let me, let me do it. Let, give, give me a shot at it here. I could say, um, oh, let me, <laughs> oh my goodness, um, but we're in the process here of of within a week transitioning presidential authority from one administration to another. So I, I, it's difficult to use the analogy of the president because it's in a time of transition. And if I said, but I can, I can, I can, I can do it. And you'll see the point. When you use the word the, all right, if I said, there's a president. For example, today is uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And uh, we honor Dr. King and his influence. Just like we might say there's a, there's a president. You notice I said a president, right? Are you with me? Are you stunned? Okay. A president. You, do you have any idea who I'm talking about? There's a president? No, not until I begin giving you detail. But I can use a word that changes that completely. Now, during this, uh, to do it this week might uh, muddy it a little bit, but I think you will get the point that if I said the president, does that change everything? Do you not automatically know exactly who I'm talking about? Because that's what the word the is. It's a definite article. It says the man. 
the president. So in this context, in this pulpit in uh, 2017, the president today, right now, this very moment, we know who we're talking about. Why? Because of the word the. So if Jesus is the God, and not just the God, but how many knows he's the great God? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that settles it right there for me. The moment we realize, now some Bibles, listen, you're not going to like this. Some Bibles take the word the out because they know that would mean Jesus is the one God. They ooh, can't, have that, can't have that. Even though 6,000 manuscripts, only a few take it out, but they still do it because they cannot handle the fact that that would mean that Jesus is the one and only God. How could he be? How could the Son and the Father be the same one and only God? Well, that's what the Bible is trying to tell us. God robed himself in flesh. How many are thankful for what he did? Hallelujah. In fact, he, he's the great God for many reasons. I've, sometimes I'll pray like this early in the morning. Lord, you were the God that put the stars in the sky. And you're the God that put the waters, Lord, in the river. And you're the God that made the ocean. But you're more than that, Lord. You're the God that made Adam and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But you're more than that, Lord. You're the God that found me. And you're the God that Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Praise God. He didn't have to save me. He didn't have to find me. He could have said, you're worthless. But he didn't. He's a great God. So he's not only great because of all of his attributes, he's great to me. Who wrote that? Oh, I'm trying to think. God is great. Oh, Bishop uh, Lawson. And greatly to be praised. One of the great songs of the Apostolic Church. God is great in my soul. I know God is great. And greatly to be praised. That's a psalm, by the way. Greatly to be praised. One time I was going to hold, trying to do a whole thing on why would you use an adverb. He's greatly to be praised. And that's because that's what the Hebrew does. He's greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. What that means is he's great. So my praise must be great. He's great and mighty. Hallelujah. Can we just clap our hands and thank him for it? Thank you for what you've done you're the one great and mighty God you're the living God you are the God <laughs> hallelujah so if he's the God listen right listen to me you may not like you may not you think about it you can do whatever you want this is a Bible lesson the president is who he is that's who he is the president is who he is and the God is who he is and someone said to me well the God is more than one the God is more than one, like you said. Uh, and I said, no, there's, that is exactly why you cannot understand who Jesus is. So let's, let's keep going. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number two, 1 Timothy 3.16. So let's get our Bibles. You could, uh, we're going to look at a few. I don't know how many we'll get to, but at least a couple. I'm keeping my eye here. So Jesus was God as man which is of course a miracle and simply uh it can't be repeated simply beyond 
I don't mean to say I'm copying out because I can't explain it, but the fact of the matter is nobody can explain it. No one can explain. Well, for, for that matter, all of creation is a miracle. Nobody, no human has ever recreated life as much as, you know, men would like to think that they're God. They're not God. Jesus was a man, even though he was humble, even though he was all the things that he was. See, a lot of people would have accepted Jesus if he had come to Hollywood, if he had come on the late night shows. They would have accepted him. They said, man, look at that guy. He can look what he does. But that's exactly why he didn't do that. Of course, he had a plan, and then the Bible says he came in the fullness of time. How many knows that God has a, he's got a plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this old ship's about to sail, my friend. Jesus is getting us ready. Hallelujah. He's coming. He's coming. So not only, though, was Jesus God as man, but he was two things. Let's use two words. I know you think, oh, you're taking so long. Uh, but I just really feel like just not rushing. I could rush. I could rush like a wild man run down that aisle, but I'm trying not to do that. All right. He was both perfect And sinless. Jesus was the only human that was perfect. Which means many, many things. In fact, it's the very first place to start when we want to ask, well, then why did Jesus, if he was God, why did he have to pray? Because he was perfect. How could you be a perfect man and not pray? The most important thing you could do as a perfect man is pray. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. As though if he were another God and he prayed, that would solve anything. They think that oneness people have God praying to himself. See, that's what they think. Well, you've got God praying to himself. No, I don't. I have the son, the human man, praying as perfect, sinless man. For it's exactly the same thing if you said, well, then God came and God himself died. No, God himself did not die. God cannot die. It was the human sacrifice that died. If God had died, there'd have been nothing. It'd have been just out, snuffed out. God can't die. God doesn't need to pray either. Well, but you've got God praying to himself. And I said, well, what do you think you have? You've You've got two gods praying to one another. Why would one God need to pray to another God? It makes no sense at all. What does make perfect sense is what the Bible says, and that is that Jesus was sinless, and he completely committed. Think knowing that they're about to rip your side open and they're going to drive nails through your hands and you're going to hang there all day long and in the heat and the sun and the buzzards and and they're going to beat your skin nearly off of you and they're going to stick the crown deep into your brow until the blood runs down your face and yet he made the sacrifice. He was a perfect Man, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. See, the devil wants to try. You know what the devil, he always just hopes he can convince somebody of a lie. See, 
But in fact, Jesus was God as man. This is sometimes called the doctrine of the dual nature. That is, he was both God and man at the, exactly the same time. He was God and man at exactly the same time. Now, let's look at uh, 1 Timothy. Here's our scripture, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, or let's say it this way, the things of God. Greater is the mystery of the things of God, the things, godliness. Ness is a, you add ness, just like um, holiness, or oneness. See, the word ness is from the Latin, and it means to add a, what is the quality of a thing? That's what ness does. So godliness is the quality of being God. So great is the mystery of what God is, the things of God, the godliness. Now, sometimes we associate it with holiness, and that's fine. That's another, another direction that you could go with it. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Let's read it together, shall we? God was manifest in the flesh. Well, there it is. God was manifest in the flesh. We could say that different ways, but let's just leave it alone for a minute. God was manifest. God was manifest in the flesh. Not another, not somebody else, not a second one, not somebody that was hiding behind a tree over there. God, God was manifest in the flesh. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's look at this. Um, oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Can we just love him one more time? Father, we know you're real and we want to be people that love the truth and battle and love God in a dark world. Let your light shine in us, Lord. We do praise you for it and we magnify you for it in Jesus name. Now here at the bottom I'm trying to I'm gauging myself. I know that I know that we've got to we're moving right along. This this dual nature. I want to I want to explain it so I'm adding a couple scriptures so don't don't get nervous. All right? For example, John 5 says, Jesus said, all right? Here's what Jesus said. I can Do you see that there it's in white? Is it clear? I can't tell if it's clear. I can of mine own self. That means his human self. In other words, he's saying, I'm just, I'm explaining. All right, if you can receive it. As a man, I can't do anything. As a man, I'm not doing this as a man. I can of mine own self. They're trying to figure out how are you doing this? The reason Jesus could open blind eyes. He katayoto yashatalabotha. The reason he could open blind eyes was not because he was a perfect man. That's why he could atone for your sin. The reason he could open blind eyes was that he was more than a man. He was not merely man. I've tried to think of ways to say this that is absolutely accurate. He is not merely a man. He is a man. Nothing wrong with that. As long as he's sinless and perfect, then he's a man, but he's also at the same time. Listen to me, devil. At the same time, he is God Almighty. He is the God of heaven. He is the God that made heaven and earth. Hallelujah. He was manifest in the flesh. 
Oh, Jesus. See, I want so bad to go further, but I, I just want to be clear. And uh, so, so the gentleman says to me, well, you know, God can be manifest in flesh. Uh, this is what I call these people liberal that talk like this. And I'm not, dis I'm not trying to disparage them. I'm just explaining them. Jesus was just a man like anybody who God used a real lot. That's their explanation. I said, well, that's kind of odd. Uh, that, that view you're holding right there is very odd. Uh, I know you have a Ph.D., but that's odd because we're talking about a man who averaged hundreds of miracles. What was his connection that suddenly he could do things that no human had ever done before? And just a man who just got it right. No, 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 my friend. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to believe in Jesus, you need to believe in this Jesus. You need to believe in what the Bible says of Jesus. And he was no mere man who went to the university and happened to have to be really smart. And he got really close to God. So God said, okay, I'm going to raise dead people. No, my friend. I want to tell you the demons recognized who he was. The demons knew and they came into his presence. We can't even stand here. Let us get away from him. They knew who he was. He was not just an educated, well-liked, really super perfect man. He was no mere man, my friend. Praise God. He is no mere human. So Jesus can say at one time, and, and this will have to be it. I know, I know, I know, I know. You're thinking, oh, he's going to run the aisles. I may run the aisles just to show you. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I can of mine own self do nothing. Here's the dual. Dual meaning two. I can of mine own self. As, as just the perfect human, I couldn't do anything. That's not what's bringing this about. Oh, hallelujah. But he can say three chapters later, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was. By the way, this is what I said to my Ph.D. friend who said Jesus was just a very educated, nice guy. You can't have it both ways. Because as a man, he said, I, can, I can't do anything at all. But as God, he could say, I was existing before Abraham. And by the way, Abraham goes back nearly 6,000 years ago. We're talking the very beginning, almost, I mean, very close to the very beginning of time. But before Abraham was, I am. Which was, of course, another way of claiming that he was the I am, the one who was ever present, which was, of course, the name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah means I am. Jesus was saying, I am the one that was before Abraham. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands and thank God for what he's done and for who he is? Father, let this be a truth proclaiming church. Let us, Lord, every way we can find ways to deliver, preach, or give us faith and help us to see that this is our day and you're coming soon. We want to work for you in Jesus' name.